found the Winding Road Podcast, hosted by Jason and Isaac. We're two friends who are sitting in the driveway just chatting about cars over some drinks, while two of our favorite cars are sitting behind us shining in the sun. We never know where the conversation will go, but we hope you join us. Welcome back, everyone. Episode number 22. And um, we are fresh off a weekend, of course, because it's Monday evening. And anything on your mind, top of your head, Jason, tonight? Any, um, any thoughts from the weekend? So, yeah, a couple things. We were up to Poconos this weekend, and my, my dad just got a golf cart. I know we talked about them before a little bit, and uh, I'm like, super into now like, figuring out how to like, soup this thing up. Hmm. It's like it's like a car, but on a smaller scale. And uh, I don't know, I'm just like really into it. So I've been looking up that stuff. Um, we, you know, we don't have to talk about that too much because I feel like we did before. But um, the other thing that we had happened this weekend is he has an O, I think it's an O5 Jag, Jaguar XK8 convertible. Mm-hmm. And uh, it doesn't get driven much. He bought it about 10 years ago. And I think in the 10 years, he's put maybe 10,000 miles on it. Okay. So um, we're at the Poconos, and we're like, oh, let's take the Jag out, you know, with the top down. And so we did, and it was awesome, nice. And then um, when he came home to put the top back up, the the rear quarter window on the right side wouldn't go up. Ugh. And so we had to, like, finagle with that. And I, I think it's going to be a um, – a regulator issue. Mm-hmm. And then my, you know, my my dad's like, oh no, I gotta take it to the Jag dealer, and it's gonna cost me an arm and a leg, blah blah blah. And I'm trying to figure it out because I can't, I can't seem to find much on, like repair wise for this. Okay. Which doesn't surprise me because, I'm sure there's not too many people wrenching, you know, on a an O5 XK8. You know, they're probably taking it to the dealer or wherever, wherever they're going, they're probably not working on themselves. Right. So I can't find too many YouTube videos or anything like that. Um, but I thought, I mean, if I can't fix this myself, what would your opinion be on going to a dealer versus going to this like, independent shop? Because I feel like it's not, it's a window regulator. You don't, I don't think you need to go to like, a Jag dealer for that. For an 05? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would probably try to do it myself. Yeah. Because, um, well, if it's the rear, you're going to have to take off some interior panels. Definitely. Um, like if it was a door panel, if it was a door window, uh, I've taken off door panels before and it's not terrible. There's like a back seat there, but it's not really a seat. Like I don't even know why it's yeah. there. You, you can't you... put a person in there. Did you look to see if there's any like repair manual like on eBay or something? Briefly, yeah. I just um, this just happened today, so yeah. I uh, I really haven't done a whole lot of research yet on it. Um, but yeah, there 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 seem to be repair manuals, so um, I was looking into that. No, like something Haynes like, manuals, though. Yeah, something like that. They, I think a Haynes manual would be a good reference for. Yeah. But I think, I think, I mean, it's, it's a regular, it's gotta be, a, it was like clicking and the window wouldn't go up. So yeah, there's not too many things in there that it could be. Right. Um, so I'm going to try that because I don't know what that would cost. It probably cost 
what, like three or four or five hundred dollars maybe if you pair that? Probably. The the part, I don't know how much the part is, but it can't be that. It's probably all labor. And it, you could it's probably a Ford part realistically. Mm. So if you if you do a search for like if you find the part online mm-hmm. and then a lot of websites will list the part number. Mm-hmm. And then you could probably search for a cross-reference to a Ford part number. And I'd be much cheaper. Yeah. Because like if you look at a different place for it, like say mm-hmm. you, um, for example, German vehicles, if you find a part on ECS tuning or FCP Euro or something, mm-hmm. um, and then you find out that it's a part that's related to something else, you could go mm-hmm. to like Summit if it's like, if there's an American equivalent, you could go to Summit and then search it there, and it'll probably um, be available. I mean, if you try to you know mm. f- search it on the same website, it's not going to be any different. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I would do. Okay, good point. I'll definitely check that out. Um, we were talking over the weekend. Uh, we we went somewhere on Friday. Mm. Yeah, we went somewhere Friday night. We went to a bonfire. And on the way home, I was just like enjoying drive. We took her car and mm. I was just enjoying driving it. And uh, I was accelerating through the gears and I was shifting it with the paddles and stuff. And I said, mm-hmm. you know, I said, sometimes I really kind of would like to have an exhaust on this car. Mm. But because um, it sounds great, but I wouldn't think she would be into it. She's like, well, I wouldn't be against it. And I'm like, really? So yeah, sometimes I kind of want an exhaust on there too. Um, just depends on, you know, it's not high on her list. So she's like, you know, depending on how much it is, it might not be worth it for me. Yeah. Um, and then I said, what I think you would like is sway bars. So we were talking about exhaust and sway bars for the infinity and for the cost to benefit ratio, uh, an exhaust she's not super interested in because, uh, a decent one for her car is about 1500 bucks. And mm-hmm. she's like, it's just going to be louder. Like, I'm not going to feel any difference. So I'd rather, mm. you know, not spend the money, that kind of money on something where I'm not really going to feel any difference. Right. Um, I said, I think you would really like the sway bars and it's going to be a lot more economical and you can feel it like every time you drive. Mm-hmm. And so I looked those up and she's open to it, but not right now because why, I found a set not? of, uh, just because, She'd rather spend the money on something else currently. Mm-hmm. Um, but I found a set of front and rear sway bars by Hotchkiss, which has been around forever. Yeah. And it comes with the end links and there are adjustable bars, which I've always preferred non-adjustable bars, but no one makes non-adjustables really. So, uh, but they were, I found them anywhere between 450 and 600 bucks for the same thing. So you just have to find a, a vendor that's selling it for the cheapest. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what I was expecting. I said, said we'll probably find some between four and seven hundred dollars because sway bars are fairly cheap they tend to go between two and 350 a bar so that's that's on the the list of things to do to the car eventually just a matter of when because she's willing to try it i think she would like it but she's like i'd rather put you know 500 bucks into something else right now yeah but it was an interesting conversation to have because yeah. Uh, I didn't think she'd want, I thought she'd want to like completely leave it alone. And I said, you know, every now and then I thought about putting like some springs in the car to drop it just like a half inch, nothing like mm-hmm. super low, mm-hmm. but 
it's never going to ride like factory. It's always going to be rougher and bouncier because like the springs aren't tuned to the shocks and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. She's like, yeah, she's like, if you mess with my ride, it's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she's like, yeah, don't right, mess yeah. with my ride. I said, that's the benefit of the sway bar is like, it doesn't change the ride at all. You know, it makes it what stickier, cool. right? Like a little more uh, responsive. Yeah, more responsive, less body roll. So I think she'd really enjoy it. But so it's it's on the list for later down the road sometime. I think that's cool though. I like that. I like that idea of putting work into I don't want to call it like I'll call it the second car, really, you know, because for you guys, you have the Porsche, which is, you know, fun and you can do a lot of stuff with it. You can take it on road trips and things like that, but even for longer ones, it seems like you sometimes take the infinity. So if you can set that car up to be equally as fun to drive, I think that's great. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's, it's obviously not going to be, it's going to be always be different than the Cayman, but mm. you know, you can kind of tune it to your liking and, and things like that. Mm. Um, I said to her, I said, well, that's one reason I was considering getting dedicated summer and winter tires for her car before I got the all seasons again because i said i know you'll like the grip of the summer tires the downside is for three days a year when it's like questionable weather Mm -hmm. and she has to go somewhere Mm -hmm. you know i'm not gonna i thought it was stupid to buy a whole set of wheels and tires for the car Mm -hmm. for three days Mm -hmm. a year she's like yeah she's like that Mm -hmm. would be stupid Mm -hmm. so i said realistically i would put a full set of winners on the red car because there's a red g37 in the garage as well and then full summers on the on the her car that way if it's at bad weather you can drive the red car with winter tires year-round realistically if you need to mm-hmm. and then her car she could have summer tires on it and enjoy the drive so um yeah we were we were just talking cars she um she's into cars more so than i think probably more so than i you sometimes give her credit for yeah so it was fun to have that conversation yeah that's awesome very cool we saw, I, we're coming home from the mountains today and I saw a Supra. Um, I'm seeing them more and more now. Hmm. And uh, I like them. I, lo- I love the lines on these cars. So then I think I'm going home, I started looking and there's a black one on Carvana. I think it's like, it has like 5,000 miles on it, which is weird. And like, it's, there's like imperfections and like the seat's worn out. Like, I don't know how you would unless it's like a rental or something. I don't know. Uh, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I like those cars. They're small though, right? They are. Yeah. But they're, they're just like sharp looking to me. Uh-huh. You know, I don't know. I would love to be able to have one maybe just for like a toy. I guess. Yeah. Obviously it's not, I can't do that now, but it'd be, I think if I had the money, I would probably just buy one and just like, you know, ride around the weekends. Cause they look, they look like they're fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we saw we saw a Bronco, which I'm starting to really get into, man. There's new Broncos, and Kelsey likes them too because she wants a CRV. We've talked about that before, mm-hmm. so maybe I'll maybe I'll talk her into a Bronco. That uh, will get a little bit less fuel miles in her Accord. Yeah. Well, you know, I was doing pretty good today. I was getting, uh, I was averaging like 31 miles per gallon on my, on, you know, on 476. Pretty good because, like, you know. At, a car, I feel like a car that you can perform with and have fun with, but also is economical. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to put premium in it, which kind of stinks, but it's nice to have a car that does everything you want it to do when you want it to do that. And it doesn't 
it's not like you know costing an arm and a leg mm-hmm. although it cost me i think like i don't know sixty dollars to put nine gallons of fuel in yeah my car i i drove my car a bunch this weekend and it gets the best i think i've ever gotten is about 22 or 23 out of it so it's uh definitely not super economical but that's okay i, what was, I knew i knew what i was buying yeah well what was your was it a golf the golf the tdi golf you had mm-hmm. what was that like what was the best you ever got out of that the best was 50.9 oh my god that's insane were you doing hypermodeling yeah i was uh-huh. um but i averaged about depending on the season because it was really the diesel fuel Jeez, changes a lot from winter to summer um mm-hmm. because they add more anti-gel uh, mm-hmm. additives to it so there's less fuel in the blend um mm-hmm. during the winter i would get about 42 average and then during the summer i get about 45 average i guess i'm i'm it's exciting to me i guess because i've always had cars that got like very average or, or you know below average fuel economy i always had mustangs or like Ford Explorers, you know, and, and then I had like a, um, for a short time, I had an Acura 2.2 CL that I paid like $500 for. That was a piece of trash, but it was just like a, you know, daily commuter for me. So I guess I'm, I'm excited to have a car that is fast, fun to drive and gets good fuel economy when, you know, if you want to. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty decent. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, like you're saying, based on, you know, that it's a performance model and mm-hmm. it's and it's all wheel drive. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's I, that's a six speed uh, DSG, right? Yeah. 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 So that's pretty good. I mean, Sarah's car, granted, it's probably heavier than yours, but we've gotten I've gotten up to 26 with her car and it's all wheel drive, but it's it is bigger. Oh, a three, um, it's a three seven, right? Yeah, but I think she's probably got a couple hundred pounds of weight versus the S three. Mm. Um, so that's gonna affect it. But she also has a seven speed auto. So like, mm. you know, all things considered, um, I think performance wise, they're probably pretty close to each other because hers is bigger and yours is more smaller and more nimble. Yeah, and you're getting you know three to five miles a gallon better. I always wonder what that, you know, because I think the 2017 or 18s came with a seven speed. So I wonder if that changes like the top end or uh, the cruising of it. If you're, you're on the highway and you and you your your overdrive mm-hmm. is, you know, you're you're tacking less. Because I'm I was doing probably 75 to 80 all the way home and tacking like a little bit over 3,000. I'm I'm happy with it. And I just got my little water pump settlement thing in the mail, which is exciting because that was probably the one thing I was worried about being out really? of warranty. Yeah. The water pump. Because everyone says that they go all the time because they're plastic yeah. or something. It's, I mean, mine went at 50, 55,000, but it's also, it was a 15 years old. Um, mm. But yeah, I've seen them go between 40 and 60,000 miles. Yeah, it's it just seems like like um, I don't know how much a job is, but it seems like a pretty common issue. And I don't think mine 
we replaced the thermostat with mine with you. We had that issue, but they didn't replace a water pump, just a thermostat housing, mm. I think. Yeah. Um, so it was exciting because I think now it goes to, I think, eight years. That's why I asked you what the in-service date was the other day, so I can get an idea of how long we have until this thing <laughs> bites the death. Yeah. yeah, those are the things that really uh, I was thinking about for this past week. How about you? Anything new? Any Isaac Carr sightings? A few. Yeah. Some old stuff this weekend. Mm. Uh, I saw the black 63 Corvette again. Okay. Um, there was a 50, I think it was a 57 Bel Air convertible. There was a Gran Torino or a oh, Torino. Nice. I, don't, I don't know what the difference is between the Torino and the Gran Torino. I feel like there were some other things I saw, but I can't remember them off the top of my head. We took it to the city for a date night. And Where, that was where'd you go? Uh, we went to a steakhouse in downtown called Del Frisco's. Oh, nice. And um, we took my car. Okay. And we were on the Schuylkill and she's like, I'm glad I'm not driving this car right now. She doesn't like the Schuylkill to begin with, but mm-hmm. adding on top of that, having to worry about shifting and stuff like that, it mm-hmm. wasn't too bad. Um, I'll, were, I'll you in, were you in it. traffic? There was some, yeah, but I enjoyed it. And then, you know, driving around trying to find a, a parking garage that didn't have valet only because... Like I started pulling into one and then we're like, oh, that's right. Mm-hmm. This is the, the garage we remember from being in the city before that's valet only. And then we drove around the block and found another one, but that was saying it looked like valet only. So she's like, you don't want to valet your car, do you? I'm like, nope. So mm-hmm. I ended up finding one. There's only two blocks away, so it wasn't too bad. I'm used to dri- riding low in my car. Mm-hmm. So like driving beside like, tractor trailers and trucks and stuff like that it you know doesn't bother me Mm. we were sitting at a light in town in the city and there's people on the sidewalk walking by and then i felt i felt small because like you had people that were like towering over you and they were just average height but Mm. i for some reason i just felt extra low at that point i don't think i've ever been in in a cayman we should take it out we have a ride soon um it's funny because I've driven a lot of cars. I valeted for a long time. Um, and Kelsey can relate to the same, like the same thing you experienced because we went to a wedding um, in Philly a couple, I think in April. I, I, I parked like, I don't even know, like 20, it took me 15 minutes to walk from the garage to the, the hotel we were staying at because mm-hmm. I, I don't want people valeting my car. It's not even that special. Like, I don't know. Like, would people, would people beat on it? I, I don't know. Would, I don't know. I never did, really, when I was valeting cars. But I also know, like, there was a lot of people who couldn't drive stick and right. just would, would just, like, it was just bad. You that know? was, that was my concern. Yeah. Um, and, like, her dad's the same way. He, if he has to go in the city, which he almost never goes there, but he'll always take the red car because it's automatic. He won't. He won't go somewhere. He's gonna have to valet his BMW. Like you know, it's it's easy for us to take Kelsey's Accord. It's like no big deal, whatever. Like you know, we're not sweating that. Yeah, but it's, it's not as risk. fun. It's, yeah, it's it's definitely yeah. a risk, but it's not as fun. You know, if you're going, especially if you're going on a date night. You know, you want to take the nice car out. But I don't know. I, I totally, I totally can understand and appreciate having to park somewhere without valet because i don't i just don't trust people honestly mm-hmm. <laughs> especially with my car 
Yeah. So I flipped 60,000 miles on the Cayman this, this last week. Um, okay. So got me thinking about, I'm coming up on 20,000 miles of ownership with it. So I have to start compiling all some of my data and stuff like that. Get ready for my next video to shoot for that. Cause that'll be 61,000. I'll have done 20,000 miles on it. So that's, that's coming awesome. up. But it was, it was cool to see it flip 60. Um, mm-hmm. You get a picture? I did. For me, it's not high miles. Like, I don't think it's like a high benchmark or anything like that. Cause I had mm-hmm. almost 290 on the golf, but the sad thing is it's only got 60,000 miles on it and it's 16 mm-hmm. years old, but it, it's, it's a nice round number. I think that's what stuck out to me. It's one more, you know, milestone past. What's the, um, I, mean, I guess it's kind of like an arguable fact, but if, what do you expect that, that, that car will go, like will go to with the proper amount of care? Like mileage wise. I've seen people in the groups that have, you know, 140 on them, you know, um, it's just like any other car you, you know, you just have to be willing to put the maintenance in mm-hmm. and, you know, repair something when it breaks mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that. So just a matter of how much you want to put into it. Like the golf, I put, I think three or four timing belts in it. Are you serious? That seems yeah. that seems a lot. Every eighty thousand miles. Is that normal? Yeah, for that car it was. You had it that long. Like what, yeah. what, how many miles were on it when you bought it? It was five years old and had ninety nine thousand miles on it. And wow. so I owned it for ten years and put. Oh my god. Put one hundred and seventy miles on it. One hundred seventy thousand miles on it. And it probably would still have been going if it didn't have the accident, right? Um, I'm not sure because it was definitely down on boost when I got rid of it and had a check engine light. And I imagine a turbo, um, was failed, like either failed or was failing. Uh, and got to like, I never watched, I, I totally, I didn't neglect the car. I took care of it, but at the same time, I never checked the oil level and Mm -hmm. it was like a five quart oil change. And Mm -hmm. when I drained it, the last three or four oil changes, I was getting about three quarts out of the engine. Mm. So it was definitely running low in oil, which probably mm. was not good for the life of the turbo. So mm. adding all that together, I imagine mm-hmm. I had probably had an underboost condition because I had a bad turbo. So mm. whether or not I'd want to put, you know, 12 to $1,800 into a turbo Jeez. at 280,000 miles, I don't know. And you but, were working at Subaru at that time, right? No, no. I was part-time at Starbucks because I had gone back to school. Okay. Yeah. So you, you was, had, you didn't have a little bit lower. Like, yeah. Plus you didn't have like the, the hookup with, you know, getting stuff repaired. But I made out. Um, I thought I did pretty well because mm. when the accident happened, the guy's like, well, I could tell you took care of good care of it. And like, they had these categories like glass and engine and body and stuff like that. And he's like, I could tell you took good care of it. So I, gave you a five out of five on these three things, but I had to give you like a three or a four on the glass and the engine because of the miles, like, cause the glass mm-hmm. is going to be all pitted and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, well, I actually replaced the glass last year. So it's brand new. <laughs> um, and then, cause I had, I cracked the windshield by re- okay. when I was replacing wiper blades. The one arm slipped out of my fingers. And oh cracked no. The windshield. Yeah. Oh, and no. I'm always, I'm always super careful about, about doing that because when i was when i was starting to drive my dad's like whenever you replace your wiper blades be really careful because it can crack your glass 
Yeah. And so like, I was always like hyper paranoid. Like I would hold it with both hands. I'd remove the blade and then slowly place it down on the glass, you know, and then I would get the new yeah. blade and put it on the arm. Uh-huh. Anyway. So for inspection, it had like cracked halfway across. So I had to replace it for inspection. So I replaced that. And then like the next year is when the accident was. So mm-hmm. he's like, okay, well, if you can show me, you know, receipts and stuff, um, you know, I might be able to do something. So I showed him a receipt of like, it was like $1,500 I put into it for inspection the year before. Cause I'm like, Jeez. look, I plan on keeping this car for a long time. Yeah. So I was doing stuff to it. Right. Um, and I had all the maintenance records. So he ended up bumping everything up to fives across the board. Mm-hmm. Or, nice. Uh, let's see, this was 2016. So it was a 14 year old car with 280,000 miles on it. Mm-hmm. And I bought it in 07 for like, ten thousand dollars and when the accident happened it was 2016 so it was 14 years old two hundred eighty thousand miles and i got an insurance check for six thousand dollars wow so i paid four thousand dollars to own the car for 10 years Jeez. so that was pretty good yeah that's awesome car did me well yeah when when did all the um like i know like vw and audi had the uh emissions problem Right. So was that car affected by that? Was it with no. the, um, the diesels? No, that was way before um, that it? happened in 2014 or 2016. Yeah. This was like two, two or three engine generations before that. Would you get another diesel like down no. the road for like a daily? No. Because why not? Like, because of how much diesel is right now or just they're not fun or. Because I am in a place where I can drive a fun car and Mm -hmm. I have the luxury of not having to worry about trying to get super good high gas mileage. And like my commute's not super long. It's only 22 miles one way. So it's not like um, I have to drive 150 miles a day. Like if my commute Mm -hmm. was different, I might consider something a little more economical. But, you know, right now I'm putting about 80 90 bucks a week in gas into it and mm. you know it's it's fun to drive and mm. you know other than that it doesn't cost me much that's not too bad how long how long does that take what, like in 45 minutes uh about 35 yep 35 now we've talked before i know you're not a cars and coffee guy and i know you'd rather do the drive which i can totally appreciate what's your thought on museums I've been to a couple. I've been to the Simeon Museum in Philly, and mm-hmm. I've been to the one in Hershey. Mm-hmm. Um, is it those? I think it might have just been those two. Mm-hmm. Um, when we were in Rhode Island, there's a car museum in, in Newport that has a very small collection. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, it's, it's a decent-sized collection, but it rotates. They only have about 15 cars in their show area. Mm-hmm. at any given time mm-hmm. and so they cycle through every three or four months they'll they'll change out the cars and she was she was pushing me to go to the museum when we were there but i'm like i don't know it just doesn't feel right for this for this vacation to to do that but it was supercars and some of them i had never seen before and i probably should have gone for various reasons but we ended mm-hmm. up not going what's the super and supercars was the theme mm-hmm. and they had they had a Carrera, Porsche Carrera GT, a Lamborghini Mira, 
uh, a Porsche 959, which are very super rare. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ferrari F40, uh, a Vector W8, which I don't think anyone's ever going to see one of those. They had McLaren F1, mm-hmm. uh, Mercedes CLK GTR, which is like uh, a, like a Lamar car, mm-hmm. but for the street, like it was it was street legal. Uh, there was CLK an Enzo GTR. Yeah, have to look that up. 1998 CLK GTR. Yeah. Uh, that car was in uh, the original okay. Need for Speed. Uh, no, the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit from like 97. It was in that. The video game? game? Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure I had that. Yep. Um, there was an Enzo. There was a CLK DTM. So like like a street legal race car there. There was a Bugatti mm. Veyron. Uh, okay. AMG GT. Uh, Lamborghini Reventone. Uh, 918 Spider, a Bugatti, Bugatti Chiron, McLaren, a Ducati, a Ford GT. So, like, it would have been cool to see all of them because mm-hmm. half of them I'll probably never see again. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but because we, it wasn't, I just didn't, I don't know. I probably should have done it, but I didn't. What do you think about the Simeon Museum? I've, I've been to Simeon as well as Hershey. And that, and unfortunately, he, he passed away, I think, last week. The owner of okay. Yeah, the guy who owned it is a doctor. Okay. I think. But I, I didn't. I think you'd probably like it more than me because that's. It, it seems like it had a lot of, like, racing inspired cars and stuff like that. I would agree with that. When I was there, I think I've always I've only been there once, and I was actually shooting. Um, I was running a photo booth for somebody, uh, at a corporate event around mm-hmm. the holidays or something, mm-hmm. in there. So they had a lot of the cars put away, and it was just cars around the perimeter. Um, but from what I saw, I would agree. It's, it's definitely got a racing vibe to it. So like they'll have yeah. at the one section, I remember seeing like a 1915 something or other. Mm-hmm. And there were like hay bales beside it and talking about like racing yeah. heritage of certain cars. And I thought that was pretty cool. I agree. Yeah. Whereas the Hershey museum, uh, they do cycle their, I think all the museums kind of do, but they cycle their exhibitions around a little bit but hershey does a great job of setting up like the displays and the mm-hmm. settings and things like that to make a very period correct and and like you see a car like they have buses they have a whole bus section yeah it's you know I, they, they do a great job but they probably also have a lot more money to work with too so sure. I think that there was a uh, bus from Forrest Gump in there. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and I think speed as well. I think it's, it's like, to me, um, you know, it's nice to see cars, like high-end cars and um, like all that stuff in a museum. But I also appreciate seeing like the everyday cars that uh, or like time capsules, you know, uh, I, I I like that stuff. It's like we were supposed to go to the uh, Henry Ford Museum in Detroit. It just didn't pan out because of um, you know like how much how expensive it is to travel right now. So uh, we we're postponing that. But um, I'd like to go out there one day. It seems pretty cool. Do you know if they ever fixed? I assume they did because it's been several years now. But you remember when the Corvette Museum collapsed? Yeah. Do you know if that's like back up and running? I mean, it's been probably six or seven years at least. I would imagine that it probably is, but 
and I didn't really, I didn't, you know, get too deep into it because I'm not really a Corvette guy, but um, I think some of the things that were lost were pretty rare vehicles. Some of them are like pretty rare. Yeah. But that kind of like that stinks because, yeah, I mean, obviously insurance will cover it, whatever, you'll recoup your loss, but you can't replace something like that. You can't replace that. And I think some of them, they actually kept in the condition they were at the bottom of the sinkhole. Oh, like, really? Yeah, I think so. I think I heard they were going to do that is to keep like two or three of them that survived relatively like they were, you know, some like dented and dusty yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. But I feel like when they rebuilt, they saved those and they kind of just recreated it to, because it was yeah. another thing in Corvette history, realistically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Where I forget where that was. Do you remember? So Corvettes are built in, I want to say Lexington, Kentucky, but I'm mm. probably wrong. It's not Lexington. It's 90% sure it's Kentucky. I don't you know. Fact check I want to say it's green something or other. Bowling green? No. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're right. Bowling green. Was it? Okay. Is, it, yeah. is that still Kentucky? Um, or yes, Indiana? Yes. It's Kentucky, yeah. Okay. It's the only plant in the world to build Corvettes and has produced over 1.1 million Corvettes since 1981. And I, I'm pretty sure the, the museum is right there in town with, with the production plant. Yeah, that would make sense. Any final thoughts for uh, for this episode before we head out for the night? No, I think I have to start looking for a bike rack for my car. We can talk okay. about that next next week. Let's wrap it on that thought of uh, dying Cor Camara or uh, dying Corvettes <laughs> and and car shows and I should say museums and things like that. Yeah. So we will leave this show in the past, just like those dead Corvettes, and we'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks again for joining us. You can reach us by email at windingroadspodcast at gmail.com or on Instagram at windingroadspodcast. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love it if you could rate and review us on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, enjoy the drive.